Section 36 of The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Morgan Scorpion. The Anatomy of Melancholy, Volume 1 by Robert Burton. Section 36. Partition 1, Section 2. Member 3, Subsection 13. Love of gaming, etc., and pleasures immoderate. Causes. It is a wonder to see how many poor, distressed, miserable wretches one shall meet almost in every path and street, begging for an alms, that have been well descended, and sometimes in flourishing estate, now ragged, tattered, and ready to be starved, lingering out a painful life in discontent and grief of body and mind, and all through immoderate lust, gaming, pleasure, and riot. "'Tis the common end of all sensual epicures and brutish prodigals, "'that are stupefied and carried away headlong "'with their several pleasures and lusts. "'Kebers in his table, St. Ambrose in his second book of Abel and Cain, "'and amongst the rest Lucian in his tract De Mercede Conductis, "'hath excellent and well-deciphered such men's proceedings "'in his picture of Opulentia, "'whom he feigns to dwell on the top of a high mount, "'much sought after by many suitors.' At their first coming they are generally entertained by pleasure and dalliance, and have all the content that possibly may be given, so long as their money lasts. But when their means fail, they are contemptibly thrust out at a back door, headlong, and there left to shame, reproach, despair. And he at first that had so many attendants, parasites and followers, young and lusty, richly arrayed, and all the dainty fare that might be had, with all kind of welcome and good respect, is now upon a sudden stripped of all, pale, naked, old, diseased and forsaken, cursing his stars and ready to strangle himself, having no other company but repentance, sorrow, grief, derision, beggary and contempt, which are his daily attendants to his life's end. As the prodigal son had exquisite music, merry company, dainty fare at first, but a sorrowful reckoning in the end, so have all such vain delights and their followers. Tristes voluptatum exitus, et quisquis voluptatum suarum reminisci volet, intelliget, as bitter as gall and wormwood is their last, grief of mind, madness itself. The ordinary rocks upon which such men do impinge and precipitate themselves are cards, dice, hawks and hounds. Insanum venandi studium, one calls it, insane substructiones, their mad structures, disports, plays, etc., when they are unseasonably used, imprudently handled, and beyond their fortunes. Some men are consumed by mad fantastical buildings, by making galleries, cloisters, terraces, walks, orchards, gardens, pools, willets, bowers, and such like places of pleasure. Inutiles domos, Xenophon calls them, which howsoever they be delightful things in themselves, and acceptable to all beholders, an ornament, and benefiting some great men, yet unprofitable to others, and the sole overthrow of their estates. Forestus, in his observations, hath an example of such a one that became melancholy upon the like occasion, having consumed his substance in an unprofitable building, which would afterward yield him no advantage. Others, I say, are overthrown by those mad sports of hawking and hunting, honest recreations, and fit for some great men, but not for every base inferior person, 
whilst they will maintain their falconers, dogs, and hunting nags, their wealth, says Salmutza, runs away with the hounds, and their fortunes fly away with hawks. They persecute beasts so long, till in the end they themselves degenerate into beasts, as Agrippa taxeth them, Acteon-like, for he was eaten to death by his own dogs. So do they devour themselves and their patrimonies in such idle and unnecessary disports, neglecting in the meantime their more necessary business, and to follow their vocations. Overmad too sometimes are our great men in delighting, and doting too much on it. When they drive poor husbandmen from their tillage, as Sarasburiensis objects, fling down country farms and whole towns to make parks and forests, starving men to feed beasts, and punishing in the meantime such a man that shall molest their game more severely than him that is otherwise a common hacker or a notorious thief. But great men are some ways to be excused. The meaner sort have no evasion why they should not be counted mad. Poggius the Florentine tells a merry story to this purpose, condemning the folly and impertinent business of such kind of persons. A physician of Milan, saith he, that cured madmen, had a pit of water in his house in which he kept his patients, some up to the knees, some to the girdle, some to the chin, for moda insanii, as they were more or less affected. One of them by chance, that was well recovered, stood in the door, and seeing a gallant ride by with a hawk on his fist, well mounted, with his spaniels after him, would needs know to what use all this preparation served. He made answer to kill certain fowls. The patient demanded again, what his fowl might be worth which he killed in a year. He replied, five or ten crowns. And when he urged him farther what his dogs, horse, and hawks stood him in, he told him four hundred crowns. With that the patient bade be gone, as he loved his life and welfare, for if our master come and find thee here, he will put thee in the pit amongst madmen up to the chin, taxing the madness and folly of such vain men that spend themselves in those idle sports neglecting their business and necessary affairs. Leo Decimus, that hunting pope, is much discommended by Jovius in his life, for his immoderate desire of hawking and hunting, insomuch that, as he saith, he would sometimes live about Ostia weeks and months together, leave suitors unrespected, bulls and pardons unsigned, to his own prejudice and many private men's loss. And if he had been by chance crossed in his sport, or his game not so good, he was so impatient that he would revile and miscall many times men of great worth with most bitter taunts, look so sour, be so angry and waspish, so grieved and molested, that it is incredible to relate it. But if he had good sport, and been well pleased, on the other side, incredibili munificienta, with unspeakable bounty and munificence, he would reward all his fellow-hunters, and deny nothing to any suitor when he was in that mood. To say truth, tis the common humour of all gamesters, as Galateus observes. If they win, no men living are so jovial and merry, but if they lose, though it be but a trifle, two or three games at tables, or dealing at cards for two pence a game, they are so choleric and testy that no man may speak with them, and break many times into violent passions, oaths, imprecations, and unbeseeming speeches, little differing from madmen for the time. Generally, of all gamesters and gaming, if it be excessive, Thus much we may conclude, that whether they win or lose for the present, their winnings are not, munera fortuna, send insidii, as that wise Seneca determines, not fortune's gifts, but baits. The common catastrophe is beggary, 
ut pestis vitam, sic adimit alia pecuniam, as the plague takes away life, doth gaming goods, for omnes nude inopes et egeni. Alea scilla vorax, species certissima furti, non contenta bonis animum quoque perfida mergit, fida, furax, infamis, ines, furiosa, ruina. For a little pleasure they take, and some small gains and gettings now and then, their wives and children are ringed in the meantime, and they themselves with loss of body and soul rue it in the end. I will say nothing of those prodigious prodigals, perdendi pecuniae genitus, as he tat Antony, qui patrimonium sine ulla fore columnia amittunt, saith Cyprian, and mad sybaritical spendthrifts, quique una comedunt patrimonia coena, and eat up all at a breakfast, at a supper, or amongst boards, parasites and players, consumed themselves in an instant, as if they had flung it into Tiber with great wages, vain and idle expenses, etc., not themselves only, but even all their friends, as a man desperately swimming drowns him that comes to help him. By suretyship and borrowing, they willingly undo all their associates and allies. Irati pecunius, as he saith, angry with their money, what with a wanton eye, a liquorish tongue, and a gamesome hand, when they have indiscreetly impoverished themselves, mortgaged their wits, together with their lands, and entombed their ancestors' fair possessions in their bowels. They may lead the rest of their days in prison, as many times they do. They repent at leisure, and when all is gone, begin to be thrifty. But, sera est in fundo parsimonia, till then too late to look about, their end is misery, sorrow, shame, and discontent, and well they deserve to be infamous and discontent. Catamidiari in amphitheatro, as by Adrian the Emperor's edict they were of old, decoctores bonorum suorum, as he calls them, prodigal fools to be publicly shamed and hissed out of all societies rather than to be pitied or relieved. The Tuscans and Boeotians brought their bankrupts into the market-place in a bier with an empty purse carried before them, all the boys following, where they sat all day, circumstante plebe, to be infamous and ridiculous. At Padua in Italy they have a stone called the Stone of Turpitude, near the Senate-house, where spendthrifts and such as disclaim non-payment of debts do sit with their hinder parts bare, that by that note of disgrace others may be terrified from all such vain expense, or borrowing more than they can tell how to pay. The civilians of old set guardians over such brain-sick prodigals, as they did over madmen, to moderate their expenses, that they should not so loosely consume their fortunes to the utter undoing of their families. I may not here omit those two main plagues and common dotages of humankind, wine and women, which have infatuated and besotted myriads of people. They go commonly together. Qui vino indulget, quemque aloa decoquit, ille in venerem putret. To whom is sorrow, saith Solomon, Proverbs 23, 39, to whom is woe, but to such a one as loves drink. It causeth torture, vino tortus et ira, and bitterness of mind. Vinum furoris, Jeremy calls it, wine of madness, as well he may, for insanire facit sanos, it makes sound men sick and sad, and wise men mad, to say and do they know not what. 
Accidit hodie terribilis cassus, saith St. Augustine. Here a miserable accident. Cyrilus' son this day in his drink, Martum fragnantem nequiter oppressit, Sororum violare voluit, Patrum oxidit fere, Et duas alias sorores ad mortem vulneravit. Would have violated his sister, Killed his father, etc. A true saying it was of him, Vino dari laetitiam et dolorum, Drink causeth mirth, And drink causeth sorrow, Drink causeth poverty and want. Proverbs 21, Shame and Disgrace Multi ignobiles evasere of vinum potum, et, Augustine, amissis honoribus profugi aberarunt. Many men have made shipwreck of their fortunes, and go like rogues and beggars, having turned all their substance into orum portabile, that otherwise might have lived in good worship and happy estate, and for a few hours' pleasure, for their hillary terms but short, or free madness as Seneca calls it, purchase unto themselves eternal tediousness and trouble. The other madness is on women. Apostatare facit cor, saith the wise man, adque homine cerebrum minuit. Pleasant at first she is, like Dioscorides Rhododaphne, that fair plant to the eye, but poison to the taste, the rest as bitter as wormwood in the end, and sharp as a two-edged sword. Her house is the way to hell, and goes down to the chambers of death. What more sorrowful can be said? They are miserable in this life, mad beasts, led like oxen to the slaughter, and that which is worse, whoremasters and drunkards shall be judged. Amatunt gratiam, saith Augustine, perdunt glorium, incurrent damnationum aeternum. They lose grace and glory. Brevis illa voluptas, abrogat aeternum caeli decus. They gain hell and eternal damnation. End of section 36